0: Hello horror fans, it's Matt here. Thank you for coming back to listen to Deaf Bipod. Elizabeth and myself are incredibly grateful and we do hope you enjoy the episodes. Now, the majority of podcasters will tell you that their early episodes are a bit waff, or at least not of the quality of later episodes. And whilst we're both very proud of all of our episodes, it does go about saying that in these early ones, we were very much finding our feet and our rhythm. So please bear that in mind And we would recommend checking out our latest episodes first and then working backwards if you haven't done so already. Now, with that out of the way, enjoy this episode of Death by Pod. Morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to Death by Pod, an all new show from what I watched tonight. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me is my spooktacular uh-huh, and simply splendid co host. Hi! <laughs> I'm
1: Elizabeth or Bloggy
0: Balboa. You may remember Bloggy from the last show where I couldn't control myself because her name is Bloggy Balboa. So, Bloggy, how the devil are you? Have you had any kind of cake-related incidents recently?
1: I have had a few cake-related incidences recently. That's that's not a lie.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, but please, please elaborate.
1: Um, I fell asleep with a chocolate Swiss roll last night and I woke up with it on my face and in my hair. Thanks for <laughs> that. Have you had any right. cake-related incidences recently?
0: I've eaten too much and now I'm a fat bastard, so um, oh, okay. that's pretty much my cakey- cakeiness. <laughs> I could go for a cake right now, no? I could go for a one of them. You know those ones you get from Marks and Sparks, 90, like reduced, maybe like to 90p. <laughs> that's quite <laughs> nice.
1: Yes, yes, I could go for one of those as well. And I would quite like to actually ingest a lot of it rather than just wake up with it in my
0: hair. <laughs> caked in your hair. Yeah, caked excuse the in pun. my hair. Other than cakes and um, chocolate, how on earth are you?
1: I'm all right. Yeah, I'm not
0: doing too bad. How about you? Okay, I'm good. <laughs> I'm all right for this middle of the week rundown. Uh, it's a new show. I'm looking forward to this. I'm I'm excited to be doing it with you because I know you like horror films and you like to get scared.
1: I do. I really do.
0: So on these monthly episodes, uh, Elizabeth slash Lily slash Bloggy and myself, we pick one horror movie out of the billion of, of them out there and we basically just dive right into it. It's an excuse to turn out the lights and scare ourselves stupid once a month, mm-hmm. or at least get scared if the film's any good. So, for this very first episode, we have a true horror classic to slash away at. So, Bloggy, please, can you reveal the movie for this episode?
1: Do I need to drum roll? Because I don't have a drum, so I won't. <laughs> it's Halloween, released in 1978, directed by John Carpenter. And starring Donald Pleasant, Jamie Lee Curtis, PJ Souls, and probably loads of other people that never went into any other films ever again.
0: Every kid in heaven Phil thinks this place is haunted. Then the
1: Hey, Linda, Lori. Why didn't you wait for me? We did. Fifteen minutes. It totally never showed. That's not true. Here I am.
0: I saw the boogeyman.
1: I saw him outside. There was nobody outside. There was...
0: What do he look like? The boogeyman. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes.
1: I'll kill you if this is a joke.
0: He came home.
1: See anything you like?
0: I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. You know, Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it, or you can help me to stop it. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. To be fair, quite a lot of them didn't didn't do much after this. No, I... One of the, um... I checked out IMDB for this, as you should do. Yeah. And the lady who played Annie, uh, Nancy Kies, or oh, Nancy yeah. Loomis, as she was known, she basically hasn't done anything since this film, and if you are listening, Annie, which is a long shot, but you might do. I apologise for this in advance, but her IMDb profile is hilarious. It basically says, you know, Nancy is a tremendously talented actress, hyper stunning to look at, who regrettably didn't get enough roles that she that she should have done. Basically,
1: okay. I'm just and it's got up. about three paragraphs. Yes, yeah, it's called her it's pretty, got a pretty, perky, and appealing.
0: That's it. She's never, <laughs>
1: she's never escaped the the seventies typecast world well, and the now typecast. I think poor Annie.
0: I know. I read it and I thought, bless her. She, you know, she really did try to to to, to blog up this pretty much one performance. But you know, it's probably more. She, she's done more than I'm going to do. And she was okay in the film, but I'll get on to onto Annie later on, but I thought I'd just quickly mention that because it made me made me chuckle. So That is um, quite funny.
1: And the and the IMDB profile picture of her is her dead. <laughs> it's her laying on the bed with Judith Myers' grave, just like that. I think that's her. a
0: metaphor for her career.
1: Yeah, that's probably what they put in the actor's directory. That's why she had such a short stint.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, this lady's dead. We'll, we'll move on and find someone else. She could have had a great career in front of her. Uh, pretty but...
1: perky corpse. <laughs> yeah, oh.
0: stunning to look at, but you know, unfortunately, <laughs> pulseless.
1: Smells a bit.
0: They're <laughs> <laughs> moving on from rotting fleshy corpses. Mm-hmm. Um, Halloween. Yep. What an awesome film! It, I mean, it's originally called The Babysitter Murders, but the producer Irwin Yablans came up with the you know, quite a novel idea of changing the story to be set at Halloween. Um, this film was made for about $300,000 and went on to gross $70 million worldwide. So at the time, it was the wow. highest grossing independent film, exactly. It's now been taken over by uh, Valerian. But at the time, it was the biggest, you know, profit, the profitable independent film of all time. And not a bad film, I don't think, to have holding that accolade.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's pretty
0: dear, isn't it? It could be a lot worse. I mean, there was a few cool casting choices as well for this film, which never happened. John Carpenter, did this will uh, interest you, being the keeper of Hammer Secrets, but Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee were actually approached to play the Sam Loomis role in in the (laughs) film.
1: I bet they both said no.
0: They both said no, and apparently Christopher Lee regretted it horribly afterwards. He said it was the biggest mistake he ever made. I'm not sure whether I'd have liked Christopher Lee in the film, and I like him in... Quite a lot of his things.
1: I heard he was—he's a bachelor. Was a bit of an asshole in real life, so it's probably I like Donald Pleasants. You know, like he was a nice guy.
0: I thought he did okay in the role. I when mean, Donald Pleasants never released any heavy metal albums in his nineties, like Christopher Lee did, but you know he probably went on to do some other cool things.
1: I never what hold up uh, what
0: Christopher Lee? Did
1: that yeah,
0: in his nineties, he had sort of he had this kind of. <laughs> It's like Black Forest. Do you mean,
1: when he was ninety years old, or in the nineties. No, in
0: his nineties, he had this kind of like Shut Black up. Forest um, Viking metal, and he was re- he basically <laughs> used to recite kind of like passages from like Tolkien over the top of it.
1: That's mad.
0: Check it out, honestly. It's, it's, it's on YouTube. It's it's fascinating.
1: <laughs> I can't believe I did not know about this. Okay.
0: Put the cake down and go and check it out later on. I will. I will. Well, hopefully that's your night sorted out then. But J. Willie okay. Curtis was brought on as the, I guess, like relative new, relatively unknown, I guess, at the time.
1: Yeah, I think she was introduced in the credits, so I think it was her first. Her first.
0: Yeah, and her mother wasn't too bad in horror films. She was in Psycho 18 years previously, so there's certainly Pedigree running through them veins.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I mean, this... real. <laughs> um but are real. She succeeded where her mother failed in the films, but... There's quite a lot of cool little facts about this film it It's a horror film that like we're going to get into later on, obviously how it looks, but it's obviously bathed in shadows for the most part, but that's actually that was necessity because the the production couldn't afford the lights, so the film pretty much had to be filmed in the shadows. The actors wore their own clothes there wasn't a costume set, so actors basically went out and bought their own costume, their wardrobe, which I think's pretty got cool. a throwback to the days of how it should be done.
1: <laughs> Where all the staff are treated like shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I wonder if Donald Pleasant's bought, bought his own suit.
1: I I reckon that he probably had that coat just waiting in the wings <laughs> for a role exactly like that. <laughs>
0: yeah, he bought it. I bet he bought it about uh, 20 years early He's like, one day I'm going to get the call. And I'm going to need this coat so I can skulk around Illinois.
1: Yeah, or he was just, you know, he was planning on being a flasher at some point in his life.
0: <laughs> and then he got the call and, it's, and it and yeah, his and life went a completely different way
1: he was like well I'm not using this coat for what I expected to use it for
0: <laughs> we don't know what he did behind the scenes
1: no that's true I don't think we want to know either maybe Donald wasn't so pleasant but he...
0: oh here we go Ooh, we there it is <laughs> <laughs> bloggy one beast nil congratulations on that on that pun I, I quite enjoyed that see how many more we, more we can get in before we finish okay. so so that is kind of, I mean, Halloween didn't have a big, uh, extensive backstory to it. It was, John, Car- John Carpenter came up with the idea, essentially. It was financed by a chap, whose name I can't remember, who didn't have any faith in the film, basically. And then when it made a lot of money, he then went on to finance every other sequel that came afterwards. But it, So, let's guess let's just jump straight into it, because you picked this film. So I'm guessing you think it's at least pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty, It's like, well, I think to watch it now, it it can be a bit challenging if you, I don't know, perhaps don't really watch many horror films, and then you watch Halloween, and you're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's it's a pretty cool film. There's actually, like, there's not really that much blood in it. True. Which is odd for a slasher film. But they're really, like, if you look back on all of the, you know, the kill scenes and that, there's just, uh yeah, there's not really that much blood and stuff. It's all done on, you know, how, how it's making the audience feel, how the shots make you feel and stuff. That's why I think it's pretty good.
0: I don't mind a bit of, in films anyway, a bit of gore and a bit of violence, but I think this film actually benefited from not having sausages being pulled out of people's abdomen for intestines and <laughs> blood flying yeah. everywhere. I think it actually worked better because it took 55 minutes for the main villain, Michael Myers, to actually, you know, be unleashed within the film. So they really did hold back and hold back. And uh, I think I'm going to say this on every episode because I'm a noob, but The Exorcist is my favourite film of all time. And that (laughs) is a similar type of aesthetic. Yes, they Mm. have moments when she's violently masturbating with a crucifix, for example, but it doesn't all go to pot until the very end. Before that, they kind of yeah. build up and build up and build up. And in this film, they tease Michael, they tease him. He's there, he's there, he's he's behind the car, he's, you know, hanging out the washing, he's over the other side of the road looking in through the school. So I've quite enjoyed the fact that they were quite restrained and didn't just go, you know, balls to the wall, all out. Here's the bad guy and he's, he's chopping off boobies and guts. <laughs>
1: I mean, like, I think if you look at some of the films that came out around about that time, I mean, you look at Jaws, which, you know, kind of created the summer blockbuster and was mm-hmm. one of the most successful films at the time, and then you've obviously got The Omen, and they both played on this, you know, oh, there's this there's this unstoppable monster kind of, you know, prowling about, and but you don't really see that monster for absolutely ages, and I think Halloween... um took a lot from from those kind of films and that probably was one of the reasons why it was so commercially successful where other horror films had just completely flopped.
0: Yeah I agree I think it would have got more people into the cinema if Michael Mars was actually a great white shark but um, that would have been <laughs> quite interesting to see but um, it's I, just it's... a
1: great white mask oh, It is. what he is.
0: done it again.
1: I've done um, it again.
0: This is this is, this is is going to be a hoot guys I can just tell. Um, <laughs> That's a good point now about things like Jaws because I I think oh, this is going to sound proper generalising, but and I don't mean to. If anybody out there who is under the age of fifteen, don't come at me with your hashtags. But I I do think that yeah, you know, audiences who are maybe younger and have grown up with you know more intense slashers or more in your face horrors may struggle with the likes of Jaws, Carrie, The Omen, Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, even things like the classics like Rosemary's Baby. I mean that is. Not what you would expect it to be, so I think this fits into it. I like the fact that it's it's more kind of plays on the story rather than the slashing, if you will.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think like and well, because if you look at because a lot of people kind of think that this is the first slasher movie, and it you know it wasn't. I think it was just the first slasher movie to get some kind of recognition and get some kind of attention, and that really was the catalyst for pushing the whole like boom period off, but. Like Black Christmas. There's a lot of a lot of people have said that Halloween has took the formula of, of Black that you know, took the kind of structure of Black Christmas and just elaborated on it because, you know, I don't know if any like if you've seen Black Christmas, but it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, there's no there's no big reveal. There's just this sort of like you feel like there's an imminent threat, but you don't it never sort of manifests. It's just like it's just there and you just feel really uncomfortable the whole time watching it. But there's no like, there's no real scare. There's no like gratification from it. Whereas Halloween, you do get scares and you do get, you know, he's the boogeyman, isn't he? So that's yeah, that's
0: something that's brought up quite a lot is the boogie. Is the boogeyman's coming? Um, would you call yeah. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Would you say that was a kind of slasher?
1: Yeah, I would. I think. Um,
0: I mean, that was four years previously. Prior, sorry.
1: Yeah, I think I think it definitely is. I think that there's because um, a lot of people kind of think. You know, the slasher films, they have to have a knife and stuff. Whereas I just I think if they're preying on teenagers in a, you know, in a location where maybe they're vulnerable, then, yeah, like it's definitely a slasher film.
0: Yep, I'd say that as well. Yeah, Um, I like the I like the illusion to Black Christmas. I hope I hope when we get towards the festive period, maybe we can jump onto that film because I haven't seen it for a long time.
1: Oh, I love Black Christmas. It's it's bloody hysterical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, in six months' time, for all you listening, we're going to do Black Christmas. I've already ruined the tension for you. So Black okay. Christmas is coming in December. I'm already looking forward to it. Uh, but I'm sure we're going to have an awful lot of, of japes before then. So getting into the film, Halloween, it starts with a bloody cool introduction with the pumpkin or the jack-o'-lantern for our Atlantic cousins just with that awesome score which John Carpenter himself composed. I love the score. I love that, the theme of this film.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, like, especially that, like, the beginning part where you've got the pumpkin there and it's that slow zoom in to the pumpkin's eye. And I just think that's so awesome because then the next scene, you're in, obviously, the point of view of Michael Myers. So it kind of sets the tone straight away, like, this film... Is going to be either about voyeurism, or it's going to make you watch. It's going to make you see. It's going to make you like bear witness. I suppose
0: it, it certainly does. It also, I mean, like you say, this—it's it, the point of view of Michael about it's his sister. We find out is um, getting jiggy with her boyfriend. Oh, God.
1: that was a proper grunt like you you meant that
0: yeah we're here all night guys we don't just do (laughs) horror here we do we we do a bit of the old will smith as well um yeah so they're so they're getting down to it uh and that and this basically has created this the cliche that if you have sex you will die or if you engage in any kind of lurid filthy act then you're in trouble and sex um...
1: equals death
0: Exactly, it's the horror convention now, and Scream. I think it was Scream, what one of them really went into that, but Scream. <laughs> it, oh, awesome, thanks for that. It was just Scream. I knew it. I was just testing you there, bloggy. But here yeah, so they're they're doing stuff. Um, he must have been very good at his job because it, there was only like a minute gap between them going upstairs and what happened. Uh, so yeah, we we get the point of view just shot.
1: Just whippersnappers, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: they don't understand that you've got to do things before. You just don't just dive straight in we also here for a bit of advice if you need some about that guy. Yeah, but yeah, if you need support. There's also a really flippant line which which when we realise who or what Michael Myers is and what he becomes when they're sort of getting down to it, the boyfriend says, oh, you know, are you sure we're alone here? And his sister says, not his sister, Michael's sister says, you know, Michael's around here somewhere and you, you just kind of think it's a throwaway line. Who's Michael? Who cares actually? doesn't matter. You realise mm. that he's actually going to be the catalyst for this film and everything else afterwards so i quite liked that but then yeah you go up the point of view goes upstairs and um michael's sister's getting changed and the next thing you know she's getting stabbed to death
1: yeah it escalates quite quickly doesn't it
0: yeah they does not pull any punches
1: no since she's yeah but i think like the that scene is there's a cool like little easter egg so as a like as the boyfriend comes in he like scares Michael Myers' sister with the clown mask. Yeah. He like puts it on and goes, ah, And she gets all freaked out. And then he kinda of dumps it and then goes off to I'm gonna use the word penetrate to make a point. And then Michael Myers takes the mask and it's almost like he's he's like this kid and he's just he's just seen like sex or whatever for the first time and he has no, and he's it's like a voyeuristic thing, you know, and he has no idea what's going on. And it plays back to the whole, this eye of the pumpkin thing, like his perception of what's going on is so skewed that he then goes upstairs and also penetrates his sister while wearing the same mask that the boyfriend wears. <laughs> so it's all like kind of playing on what would later become, I guess, like a real convention of the slasher movie, which is that the knife is just a, a big dick metaphor, really. Well, it is, <laughs> isn't
0: it? Yeah. He basically goes up and ruts his own sister with a knife.
1: Yeah, while she's, you know, while she's naked. It's all very bizarre.
0: Yeah. Um, Her her reaction
1: to him as well is so, like, it's like it happens all the time. Oh, Michael. (laughs) Again?
0: At at least knock this next time so I can make sure I'm (laughs) facing you. Yeah, I know what you mean. I did think that this particular part, when she is being um, stabbed, her reaction is a bit soft, I think, to being stabbed. And I've never been stabbed, but I can imagine I wouldn't (laughs) react in the same way that she did. It was kind of. It was almost like kind of like she's just sort of going kind of, ah ah ah, and I thought she'd be screaming bloody murder surely, and but I thought that was a bit you know the acting was she didn't really commit I don't think to being stabbed too no, uh, but the but in terms of the what was actually happening yeah we then find out that the person because we didn't see we hadn't seen Michael we just know it we just see his point of view we then see this kid walk out of the house in a clown suit. With the knife like drenched in her sister's blood, we realise this is a kid who's done that.
1: Yeah, and then the fact of, like what I found the most like bizarre, and it's again, it's just an, it's an acting thing, and I think it's symptomatic of the time when it was made as well. Like they still hadn't quite grasped the idea of a narrative, like <laughs> oh. and how to how to effectively play that. Out. Whereas now you get fully immersed in the story happens in in five minutes, you're like, oh wow, I'm so invested, but. That's so why I think Halloween lot hasn't aged very well because you we have to really work at it sometimes. But they kind of like say, so he comes out of the house and mum and dad rock up and they're like, Michael. And then they just stand staring at him and the camera kind of zooms out, you That's know, it. and you're thinking, in what world is this normal? They wouldn't, they, they were just staring at him. They weren't doing anything. They weren't asking no questions. Oh, I found that bit quite amusing.
0: If I walked down the street and saw somebody standing near in a clown suit with a knife, I'd probably freeze, but then I'd also run the other way. But if it was uh, somebody close to me, then I'd probably ask a question. At least, you know, what the hell? Have you, you know what have you done? What's happening? Why are you standing there with a bloody knife? Alas, we're all, we're left in silence. We find out that Mr. Myers uh, has grown up, and the film that, that 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 sorry that particular scene was set in 1963. We then screeched forward 15 years to 1978, the same year the movie was created. Uh, Michael's mm-hmm. in a sanitarium there is a guy Mick Loomis sp- who spent his formative years speaking to Michael trying to understand him and eventually spent the last half of his incarceration trying to keep him in there because he knows what he is he knows what a threat he is um, he's a nutter he's a nutter with a mask and he doesn't say anything either but he escapes from the sanitarium in a slightly easy way if you ask me The him and a yeah. somebody a doctor drive up to the sanitarium and there's this kind of loonies in the field all dressed in white just milling around like well, i don't know what they're doing really and then he gets out of the car and he says to this woman you wait here surrounded by these you know lunatics i'm gonna yeah. go over there
1: she doesn't lock the doors either that pissed me off
0: and also i find it odd that he didn't hear the commotion he was only about 10 <laughs> steps away
1: yeah that is really odd actually
0: I know, it. obviously, there'll be people out there saying, well, it wouldn't be a very good film if he just turned around and said, oh, clear off. But it has to have that kind of tension somewhere. But, um, yes, yeah, so Michael Myers, who's been incarcerated for 15 years and hasn't spoken a word, is able to drive a car um, away from the scene of a crime. I mean, I took me ages to learn how to deal with a clutch, but Mr Myers did it straight away. So not only is he a serial killing genius, he's also bloody good at driving.
1: Yep, absolutely. That bit's really strange, though, because I, I I feel like they, they do sort of touch on it later on, but it's never fully explained how everybody got out and why nobody gives a shit. Like, it's, they're, they're just, yeah, it's just like, oh, well, every, everyone's just having a wonder about this evening. <laughs> There's nothing we can do
0: about it. <laughs> That's actually, It's true, actually, because Loomis, go- he goes to the sheriff's office or, and he kind of says, or the sanitarium, he kind of tells them, look, one of your patients has has escaped and they're just kind of like are you sure he can't drive are you, are you sure and he's like yes he's just fucking escaped and he's stolen a car i saw it he was very good at driving the car
1: and they kind of yeah
0: yeah like, eh, i'm sure we'll come back
1: yeah because he's like one of you must have taught him that's it yeah you know, it's like yeah he must have had lessons from one of you or something and you're like oh maybe the impression. devil taught him how to drive
0: oh might I think that that's.
1: I think that's the inference, isn't it? That he's just. He's this unstoppable
0: force. Yeah, he's basically evil personified. He's
1: no clutch will stop him.
0: Yeah, yeah. not even a manual transmission can stop Michael. <laughs>
1: um, He'll put away in fifth. He doesn't it'd, care.
0: It'd be a pretty rubbish film though if he got pulled over by the police and they re-arrested him for not having a license. <laughs> ah,
1: ah! <laughs> can you take the mask off, please.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> And him shuffling out, shuffling out all sorrowful with his little mask in his hand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh dear, that would be funny. It didn't happen though, did it?
0: No, he didn't wake up with cake in his hair, but he did learn how to drive a car with a click of a finger. This is when, for me, when the film really starts to get decent. I mean, the first part is still okay, but it does seem like they just very quickly wanted to get to the action. When I say action, mm-hmm. I mean introdu- introducing the, the main character's Setting up their story and sort of really starting to ramp up the tension. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like I guess I suppose when you think about it on like a, a deeper a deeper level, I suppose that whole thing is like because I think the thing that I love about Halloween the most is that you know obviously we did, Black Christmas was in a, a sorority house, is mm-hmm. it? Yeah, so that's kind of at a university or whatever, but you know sorority houses that was kind of remote there wasn't really many people about as i remember rightly the the it was out of season or whatever uni was out or whatever it is college whereas halloween you start off in this this mental institute where it's you know it's dark and stormy and it's kind of a bit like you know dracula's castle it's in a weird location i suppose and then him stealing the car has given him right to Sort of intrude on the American suburb, which is um mm-hmm. awesome. I guess he's he is one of the first, uh you know, slasher killers to 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 go into the American suburb and and sort of attack American ideals and American values, which is shit hot for the time. It was really really self aware, I think.
0: Yeah, you're you're spot on. It's a really nice looking suburb as well, to be honest. I'd quite like to live in some of those houses. But yeah, you're right. It, how they got there is fairly patchy, but the idea behind it stands up and is solid. And it is, to be honest, still scary today because it's not like we don't have Nutters running around uh, with knives just killing people willy nilly. In uh, London? In London, in Dunstable, in Woking, anywhere.
1: <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. There could well have been someone stabbed in, in Dunstable. I'm sorry if there there was. <laughs>
0: What? If there if there is, I will bleep this entire section out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we get to that suburb, and we meet. Uh, firstly, actually, there's it's, Hall- it's you know it's Halloween. Well, it's a day before Halloween. Actually, we've got the three we've got the three young girls in the film. We have Laurie, played by the wonderful Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Nancy Loomis, who was regrettably hasn't been in more films despite her stunning looks and her intense acting ability and her corpse picture. Rushing. That's it, her perky personality, and P.J. Souls played Linda. So we've got Linda, Laurie, and Annie, who are our three heroines to follow? Yep. Uh, so they, you know, they're coming out. Of, they're in school. We find out that Laurie's kind of the, she's the bookworm. She's more interested in her, in her books and pens, and she's boys and penis. Whereas Linda yep. and Annie, they are more into the rough stuff. Uh, so we're kind of setting up their personalities already. They, uh, they all also have a penchant for babysitting uh, in the same street. So we kind of find out a bit more about them, and initially, what did you think about their characters?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I guess they're to me they're archetypal, but at the time, maybe not. Um, I mean, the co-producer Deborah Hill, she I think she was um, she was with John Carpenter, like they were involved, mm-hmm. and uh, she she wrote the the girls' dialogue uh, because she felt that she felt that John Carpenter wouldn't be able to, you know, uh, portray young women at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, because she did something, there was something like the pom-pom killers, or there was something to do with pom-poms, and she did that as well. And she kind of argued that, you know, women were becoming, like, more important, I guess, and that they should kind of be a focal point, and that it was often the girlfriend in the relationship that decided what movie they saw. So they thought, mm-hmm. "Oh, we should probably target, we should probably try and target a, like a broader female audience. Um, and so they're kind of, she's done it so that they've all got these, um, yeah, it was called like the pom-pom girls. That was it. But they've got all this dialogue where it's kind of, you've got Laurie on one hand who isn't sure about doing that she's worried about you know forgetting her school books or whatever Mm. and then you've got um linda who's like oh you know I, i always forget my school books i forget this i forget that and they've just got these kind of comfortable middle class existences really that all they need to worry about is forgetting their school books going to the prom shagging their boyfriends you know there was um So that was quite interesting when I read that and then watched the movie and I was like, okay, so this is what Deborah Hill thought would target young women to go and see the movie. Because they all seemed really vapid to me, but maybe that's what girls were like in 1976 or whatever, I don't
0: know. Uh, I'll ask my dad what they were like. Um, Yeah. I think, yeah, I think they came across (laughs) as... Oh, black oh. Totally, <laughs> Linda kept saying totally, didn't she? Absolutely, kept saying totally.
1: Yeah, we yeah, totally so, waited for you.
0: And yeah, she totally got to come up and later on in the film. Oh. But um, yeah, I thought they came across as fairly normal. Yes, they had the uh, you know, the middle class. It, everybody in these films always has very nice houses. They live in don't generally live in decent areas and have nothing going against them really, apart from you know the promise of maybe forgetting their school books But
1: I mean, they, they, they came They're across all about as
0: about to be killed. <laughs> yeah what they don't realize is the impending death that's coming there's an awesome line later on in the film that loomis delivers to sheriff Brackett, who's actually annie's father when he says you know death has come to your little town sheriff i yeah. thought yes That's there's no way more way of being more melodramatic and getting the point across and saying that um, and he also just mocks his town at the same time you know your little <laughs> town death's come to this slum bag i thought it was a nice little town
1: I could crush this little town with a thought. <laughs>
0: yeah, Haddonfield. Haddonfield is actually in New Jersey, I think, or New York, but they they moved it to Illinois for the purposes of this film. Um so is Haddonfield it? is a nice sort of leafy little suburb. But and then it is. so we've met the very girls leafy. it's well, yeah it's very leafy. They had to I read that they had to paint the leaves orange because they filmed it in San Francisco, which obviously isn't a very leafy area. And they just <laughs> set in, yeah, really? it's set in Halloween. So yeah, it's set in Halloween. Uh, and it's usually quite hot over there, so they had to basically just go out and get loads of leaves, paint them orange and sort of brown. Um, yeah, yeah, just chuck <laughs> around to make it look like it was rather than filming somewhere which was actually had that um, seasonal weather. But hell, it worked. So, I mean, you've met you've met the girls. They're kind of alluding to something bigger. It's, it's Halloween's coming, so we know something's going to go down. And then I mean, Norick is being haunted by this guy in a boiler suit with a mask on. He's, he's, he's behind the bushes, he's outside the school window, he drives past in the car. So it's some pretty cool little setups for, you know, this this madman's on the loose, yeah. uh, which is an ugly Kid Joe song. If you haven't heard it, check it out. Um, he's, so this guy's on the loose, and we don't know who he is, she doesn't know who he is, he seems to know her. So it's already setting up that intrigue.
1: Yeah. There's, like, some really interesting things with that, Like, and I didn't I didn't notice it until I watched it, rewatched it recently. Um, because I've got this whole theory with Halloween that he's, you know, he's attacking the American suburb and American ideals and all that stuff, which I'll probably rant about later. But he um whenever he pops up anywhere, I kind of noticed that it was almost like I can't think of like for a better term of it, but it's like the iconography of like suburban life. So, like, the first time that she sees him, you know, she's walking down, uh, you know, just the street. And I, I seem to remember reading somewhere that, like, the whole point of it being in the suburb as well was that people would identify with it and be like, well, that looks like my street. Because obviously mm-hmm. suburbs all kind of look the same. So, she's walking down the street and he's behind her, you know, popping out of a bush or whatever. And that's kind of one thing where you think, oh, yeah, okay. So other people might see that and think, oh, that looks like where I walk home from school. And then, you you know, she's in class, minding her own business, and he's outside the school where everyone goes to learn, you know. There's probably only one school in the area. And then he's popping up in the washing, which, by the way, is the funniest thing.
0: <laughs> like, I don't
1: know why she finds that so scary.
0: he's got a wash as well
1: he's really cracking me up he's just (laughs) in the middle like he's perfectly in the middle of the washing just like sniffing her pants basically (laughs) but uh, (laughs) she looks back again and he's got like a full like you know bloomers pantaloons like oh (laughs) laurie
0: he's wearing them
1: um you know like even just like simply being in the washing it's kind of like you know there's to me, that felt like, oh, yeah, you know, they're, they're, that's a family life. There's people hanging there washing out. You know, there's it's, it's kind of really, it seems simple, but I just don't think it is. I think it was all kind of done a bit on purpose. And I think the other time she sees him is on the porch of someone, of her neighbour's porch or whatever, and you're thinking, yeah, you know, these are quite commonplace things, but they've all got really strong links with, like, the home and family, which is what the suburbs were supposed to be all about.
0: I found that quite cool. Yeah, it is. You've, you've hit the nail I'm on the head there. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on tonight, blogger. I'll take it from here. Yes! Um, no, you've, you've you've smashed it there because it's true. School, your backyard, your pants, across the street. You know, basically. And when she's walking home, he's driving past. So it's kind of like the idea that doesn't matter where you are. You know, in the, in this suburb, which the audience can relate to the boogeyman could literally be in the car he could be in your back garden he could be across the street he may even be outside your school it's kind of that almost like claustrophobic feel where it feels like literally nowhere is safe it, it, he literally just had to turn up at a breakfast table eating Frosties and it would, <laughs> that would have just been the next thing we didn't get to the Frosties but yeah you're right though but we don't know who he is we know obviously that he's clearly not right in the head because he wears a mask and a boiler suit and he is stalking young women but I mean not to without meaning to jump forward completely in between the moments where he's going to be
1: like the end scene is brilliant <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: just don't want to jump forward but thanks for listening guys until next <laughs> yeah but in, i mean in between those scenes and when it actually when you know michael really unleashes his fury then there's just kind of a lot more set up a lot more talking a lot kind of a lot of sort of near misses going on hmm. there's also a little moment where there's these kids they're singing a trick or treat song. They're singing trick or treat, trick or treat. Give me something good to eat.
1: And then he even it say, sounds please. Sounds more like a rap, to be honest
0: with you. It, it's, <laughs> it's probably just my streetwise nature, you know. I'm, I'm I'm down with those kids, but they don't even say they not even say please. He really winds me up. Uh,
1: well, can't teach manners these days. That's why Michael Myers came to the suburbs. If you don't say please and thank you, you're probably gonna
0: get stabbed. He was just there trying to impart impl- some manners. Just he just yeah. used a knife to do it. On that knife was the word please, I bet.
1: <laughs> oh, given mem- that I've already said that his knife is a big metaphorical
0: penis, that's quite <laughs> <Did> <laughs> you, you say that's wanted- a loaded statement? Oh Ooh, hello there you just wanted to he just he just wanted to get his end away. So <laughs> quivering angry inch. He just wanted the length. <laughs> anyway, enough of the uh, enough oh. of the innuendo's bloggy please, you are you are corrupting this show. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Can you remember what the cheerleaders sing as well? Just, just, just off the cuff. What are cheerleaders? There are cheerleaders in the school. Um,
1: oh, with something like "We'll say it loud, we'll say it proud." I can't remember what the song is though.
0: It is. Th- it's something like "We're from Haddonfield, and we're proud." Let's say oh, it again.
1: Oh, something, something. Can't hear us now. We'll yell a little louder. That's, that's it. It. It, they, it. That's well, it. How
0: well, pretty much like that. We're from Haddonfield and we couldn't be prouder. For those who didn't hear whatever it says, we'll say it louder.
1: Do you now want me to sing that?
0: Absolutely I do. No.
1: <laughs> Maybe later. Maybe later.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we'll... This year,
1: ask me again and I'll probably be a little bit more compliant. I can I can, I can leave that one loomis over you. Oh cool.
0: that's like five that's like five nil now. This is, it this is.
1: Hey, you mentioned, you mentioned him eating Frosties at breakfast and I wanted to shout about him being a serial killer and I thought, like, no,
0: hold do You missed out on the greatest joke possible. I you did. could have penetrated I, everybody listening. I missed
1: listening. out on that for the Loomis one and it sucks, really.
0: <laughs> to be honest now, I think you should have gone with that. I'm, I'm quite annoyed that you've gone with that, actually.
1: Sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> that I've annoyed you.
0: <laughs> and there's some cool... <laughs> There's some good music in it. I'm not going to... Other than the cheerleading and the kid not saying please. they also bust out Blue Oyster Cult" and Don't Fear the Reaper. Uh, this yes, is quite a cool scene Because the Reaper is following them. Go for it. Now's your chance.
1: I wanted to bring it up because, like, because Scream. Have you noticed this?
0: Uh, it may help if you tell me what I should do. All right,
1: notice. so... Like, sorry, I just thought that you... <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, so, in Scream... So, obviously, in Scream, his name is Billy Loomis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah so you've got that you've got um there are loads of like uh, scream like references cuz it's a postmodern slasher it kind of references other slasher films and exposes its own kind of conventions and there's this whole thing with that but in scream they play the blue oyster cult, don't fear the reaper and it's almost like there's a lot of nods to with scream kind of nodding back to halloween which people are like oh yeah it's the first true slasher film yeah I just wanted to Nerd no, out because <laughs> where's Craven?
0: No, yes, yeah, good point. I hadn't put two and two I remember the Loomis character from Scream. I hadn't put two and two together, but yeah, Scream makes a huge point of that. And of course, they go on to the convention about if you do it, you die. And the virgin is the one who always makes it out, etc. Uh, etc. Et but and they that excuse... mean yeah, they do. Any excuse to bust out, don't fear the Reaper, is, is a win in my books because I really like that song.
1: Who doesn't? Good, Maybe the like <laughs>
0: Yeah, he had that on his um, iPod for just fifteen years, just listening to that
1: over and over and over again.
0: And then when he finally got his car, on, he realised he had a tape deck. He thought, "Wow, I can I can cruise now and listen to this."
1: <laughs> he's got what well, he's got. His arm. He's getting a, like you know, like a builder tan.
0: One arm out the window, the other one yeah. cradling his knife. He's living the dream, that guy. I think we've he given is. him a bit of a bit of a hard rap.
1: Maybe he'll do that thing, you know, like when you put your hand out the window and you sort of do like ocean things. We're like, woo, woo, do you know how I mean?
0: I'm picturing it now and I'm wishing I, I hadn't. I
1: just did it and no one can see me, which is the worst part, but I, yeah. You know, when you kind of like coast your hand along the breeze, like, yeah.
0: Ask A the like... guy looking through the window if he saw it.
1: <laughs> He'd be like, oh, I'm not being scary. I best stop I'm breathing heavy again.
0: I best wave my hand like the ocean. That would do it maybe I'm a dolphin coming through my fingers
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: so, so that, none of that actually happened in the film but it would have been good if it did Michael is kind of psychologically or, or terrifying them, Laurie anyway, he's kind of here there, and everywhere she goes to babysit Tommy uh, well, Annie then goes to babysit uh, Lindsay I think her name is the two kids yeah. live on the street so they are near each other Their proximity and logistically very close to each other and they're watching Halloween films, they're, making, they're cutting pumpkins, and this is when it starts to get to what is the more traditional, I say slasher, I mean there's not really a lot of slashings, but this is when we kind of get to the, more of the cat and mouse games now. It takes 54 minutes to of the film, it's only an hour and a half, but Michael is unleashed, he turns up at Annie's house, prior to him turning up she spills butter over herself, you know, as you usually do spill butter over yourself. gets yeah. her kit off and then gets caught uh, trying to climb out of a wood door in just her pants, which is, you know, just story. I guess Did, probably didn't need to be in the film, but um, uh, <laughs> I mentioned that because I was what kind of watching it, thinking, well, what, what, what is any of this achieving other than giving a couple of kids something hard? She, she then is, she's killed. She's strangled. Michael finds her. He strangles her and then slices her throat in the car. This is when we realise, you know, this guy isn't fucking. He's around not anymore. messing
1: about. Yeah. No, he's not. And I think like the whole the whole thing with Annie though is this you know the fact that like you've said it took 50 however many minutes she said 50 whatever minutes to to get him to to actually come and do something the whole build up is this nervous kind of uh we're watching it and we're powerless to kind of do anything we can see that Michael Myers is watching her and we're almost kind of forced to laugh at her you know it's kind of funny she's she's got her ass in the air and she's stuck in a window in the, in the most stupid way as well like <laughs> who gets her foot stuck like that nobody apart from someone who's about to get killed but like so I think there's there's significance to it in the sense of he's trying to make you feel extremely uncomfortable in a situation where you think god that could be me you know where she's like oh I forgot my keys la 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 and you're thinking, yeah, you you you're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna laugh, but I don't feel comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, and she dies in the most you know, undignified way. And she's just got a she's got a shirt on. She's in her pants. She's in a car, and she just she gets strangled, and then Michael just well, he's a cold-hearted killer, but just mercilessly just slices her throat open, and she slumps into the window with a with well, a kind of shocked, oh, I've just had my throat sliced, look on her face.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, obviously there's the kind of, like, they're objectifying her, um, mm-hmm. and there's the whole the slasher thing about object of the gaze, which I should say is spelled G-A-Z, you know. <laughs> um, she's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're forced to kind of watch this all play out, and we're watching her with very little on. And then when he does actually come to kill her, I mean, if you weren't, if you if you take away the synthy music, that's obviously Halloween, and you maybe weren't looking at the telly, you'd think someone was watching a porn. You know, she's kind of really, she's given it some when she dies. She's not just, uh, she's not, she, she doesn't sound like she's in peril. Let's put it that way.
0: This, is um, is watching a porn the right way to say it?
1: I don't know. I mean, y- yes. I'm gonna
0: go watch me a porn. Um, I'm gonna go and know. watch
1: a porn. How else would know. you say it?
0: Some porn. Watching porn
1: watch porn
0: indulging in pornography or, or artist, artistic <laughs> cinema kind of
1: like a thing where you're like can you look that up on the googles <laughs>
0: yeah. there's a there's also a moment when before that when young tommy is about what 10 maybe yeah and he <laughs> he's looks bit... about
1: 40 can i just point that out like he's got a seriously haggard face for a little boy.
0: There, there's, a, there's a scene in the background where he's quickly shaving.
1: <laughs> what I don't look now. It's bloody scary.
0: He's
1: <laughs> well, the scariest this... thing in Halloween, that kid.
0: <laughs> the ageless man. There's a moment where he pulls out these comics from underneath the sofa. And at first I did think he was going to pull out some arty pamphlets when he's like, <laughs> Mum doesn't know these are down here. And I thought, oh no. It turns out they were just comic books.
1: They're just comic books, man. He's got years ahead of him. Yeah.
0: It sounds like you're just falling off your chair.
1: I nearly spilt my beer. It's fine. Everything's okay. That that was quite scary. That was scarier than Michael Myers.
0: Do you mind checking that There's nobody in the house with you. There's nobody behind you, is there? I hope not. Well, if so, just for professionalism, I will carry on, guys. If Bloggy does cease to exist, you know the show must go on. I'll still be here.
1: It's all right. Everything's going to be okay. I think yeah, that's
0: the famous last words, isn't it?
1: I'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah um but yeah i mean that's tommy really really does look quite old. well observed that's thank
0: S- you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of trivia i never saw anywhere that's one of those things where when you say i immediately, immediately want to check it out <laughs> and to see how old this guy look how much of a jutted chin does he have
1: he look, I, I just i just think that he looks very very old I, I, when I, maybe it was the TV that I watched it on maybe it was just really poor quality but he looks like he's about 50 I don't, I'm not entirely yeah. convinced that he isn't
0: I am checking this picture out now and he does kind of look very cynical and haunted um, for what was meant to be no, a 10 year old boy yeah.
1: it's like John Carpenter said find me a child that looks like a Jack o' lantern, and bring him <laughs> to me and he will be my Tommy Doyle
0: find me a literal pumpkin head
1: he does look like a bit, he looks like, you know, like a, you know, a gargoyle. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you sat him outside of a cathedral, he'd blend in. You wouldn't know. I feel really sorry if, if, if Tommy Doyle is still alive and well. Like, I'm really sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, I hope he's still alive and well. There's only a kid in the film. Young Brian, Brian Andrews, I believe his name was. Um, he, Brian
1: Andrews?
0: Brian, he was a boy called, a 10-year-old boy called Brian. So in this day and age, that doesn't happen anymore.
1: I see what else he's been in. I'm also on his IMDb page now. Yeah, he hasn't been in an awful
0: lot, but he's he looks it's like the, the sort strangers. of person who go to Marks and Spencers and buy a 90p cake and lord it over people.
1: Hey, I don't regret my night last night, okay? I just regret my morning. <laughs> <laughs> he, hasn't been
0: in, he hasn't been in an awful lot since Halloween. He was in the Great Santini, so if you haven't seen that, neither have I. Um, night. Sweetwater... No. Lazarus Apocalypse, which sounds like something straight from sci-fi.
1: No. And he no. was credited
0: credited as nerdy kid in Three O'Clock High.
1: Ooh, that's pretty good. I mean, before Three O'Clock High, he was in a film called Intimate Strangers.
0: <laughs> Doesn't sound like something uh, a ten year old boy should be in. He looks fucking old for his age. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> 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 <Sorry>. <laughs> Yes, he does look quite old for his age. I, I I would like to believe he was still, you know, maybe at least 15, playing a 10-year-old. Uh, Laurie, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was actually the only teenage, teenager who portrayed a teenager in the film. So the other ones no. were older.
1: How much older?
0: I don't know, but Tommy looks older than all of them. <laughs> um, I, I Without obviously looking at their date of births, I, you know, maybe at least early 20s, early to mid-20s. But okay. Jane Willie Curtis was the only one who actually was pretty much acting her age.
1: And she was the only one that didn't get her wabbo's
0: out. Um, you're right, actually, yeah. I mean, Tommy and Lindsay didn't either, but they were also kids, so uh, I'll take that back.
1: We're, we're, we're quite glad of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they do actually, they do actually make, a, make a joke about that in the film, actually. When, when Linda brings her boyfriend back, uh, Bob, Linda and Bob come back, she, she's, he's like, oh, he says, you know, I'll take, you ta- I'll take your clothes off you take mine, and then we'll take Lindsay's off, and Lindsay's like yes, a 10-year-old kid. Yes, yes,
1: they do say that.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't get it. Um, I don't want to get it, I don't think, but it was this kind of, I know it's asterisk, caveat, post-it note, it was clearly a joke in the film, but still I thought, Ugh, why do you even joke about that?
1: I don't know, yeah, yeah, I remember that happening, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's just, well, he, thank
0: God he died, because he's clearly... He does get his mm-hmm. uppence when Michael's massive blade impales him against the wall and he just stands there and admires him.
1: This is my other point as well, is that all the women's deaths are very... Like, So when um, when Linda gets it, she th- like, Laurie thinks that it's a dirty phone call and that she's phoned her up That's to
0: right.
1: have the sex noises and all that. And it's just like, so... When um, when Bob dies and when the guys die, it's really violent compared to the women. Like so, getting
0: strangled and getting your throat sliced is still quite violent.
1: Getting strangled and getting your throat sliced is very very bit. They're getting they're getting like you know it's all kind of a bit uh, and like breathy and a bit you know. Like this before that yeah, she was
0: in her pants and um and sorry I keep forgetting her name Linda. She was literally had a had their bazookas out, and she was saying, you know, have you seen something you like? So they were objectified yeah. before they died.
1: That bit does happen, right? Because on Sky Movies, they cut her tits out.
0: That bit does happen, I can confirm.
1: She's like, yeah, well, I, I watched it, and I was like, where are the boobs? Where's the eight light on screen when he goes, here's the obligatory boob shot? That's and it. I was like, here's the obligatory boob shot, and it never <laughs> happened. And I was like, where are all the
0: tits? And it's just Michael Myers standing like, there. I'm you know,
1: a massive pervert, but I just, I knew that they were supposed Liar. to be there, and they weren't there.
0: So you were on Boobwatch.
1: Yeah, I felt, I, I felt quite, you know, let down by that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> let's get the Blu-ray. can see them in all their crystal clear quality.
1: In stunning HD. We'll like <laughs> yeah. reading here. I actually have quiet practice tomorrow, so no.
0: Quiet practice?
1: <laughs> Genuinely.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to believe that. I do. I really do. You are kidding me. Not, no. there's, there's nothing wrong with that at all, but I did I not. I joined ask...
1: like a I joined like a uh, an all-women's choir, so it's like forty forty women are
0: going to sing for um, Marie Curie. Oh, that's yeah. uh, that's quite cool actually. Oh, I didn't. I, I, I'm sorry. I apologise for sounding surprised by that.
1: No, so instead of looking at tits, I'm going to choir. Thank you very much. Full of women, I now look
0: like a tit. <laughs> <laughs> You need to upgrade your Sky package, I think. But uh, the one one I watched it on was the Blu-ray version, so everything was in there. So if you do want to go and check out any parts of it, get the Blu-ray because it's all in there. Also, what's in there is, like you mentioned here, they get the breathy phone call from Linda and Laurie's thinking that it's some kind of weird... It's almost like she's she's heard it all before, like, ah, you're doing this again. You think, how messed up are these kids? But, you know, Michael Myers is actually throttling her, asphyxiating her with this phone call. And she then decided to go over, you know, cut a long story short. Laurie goes over and that's when the film has its kind of final duel, final, it's been building up to the moment where the two of them come together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you kind of like, you have that whole build up of all the, you know, every everyone's getting picked off like one by one and Laurie's getting more and more isolated. And if you want to kind of look at the theory side of things, then that's when she truly becomes like the final girl
0: cuz yeah.
1: for anyone that doesn't know um with slasher films the convention of the final girl is that she's she's kind of a little bit different to the rest of them so we were saying that she's a bit of a bookworm and she's a bit shy and she's not really interested in boys and she's 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 a virgin basically she's just a big frigid sober girl <laughs> um and she's got <laughs>
0: You said that so much malice in your voice
1: i did didn't i i'm like damn her i <laughs> dead. um she's she's got you know she hasn't she's got, got to the chocolate in bed stuff. stage
0: yet <laughs>
1: Shut up. there's a lot of worse things i could have been doing okay
0: That's true yeah
1: i was eating chocolate cake michael Myers wouldn't come and kill me for that the other you other two to like they've shirked their responsibility and they've gone and had sex and Michael Myers has come to like punish them for it basically because sex equals death and drinking equals death and drugs equals death, which they're doing all three of those. And Laurie's left with the kids and she's now become, even though she's, you know, she's clearly, she's not really like a okay with boys and stuff like that. She's, she's become like a mother and um, that's really cool. I find that like really interesting because it's arguably like it's been pushed at a female audience, yet at the same time it's really pigeonholing. You know this this you know. Oh look at these like promiscuous girls, and then look at this one who's kind of like the mother figure, and she's got that really ugly like the skirt and the tights combo thing that she's got going on. It's just all of that, really. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, she has got that kind. Of, she has got that bookish look to her, which is clearly what the what, uh, John Carpenter was going for. But it did introduce that final girl premise and i think it introduced it well because i mean it wasn't um, she was it wasn't like it was unbelievable that she would you know fight to survive it wasn't like she'd had a sudden 180 and she became like ripley from aliens yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: so she wasn't really even she was literally surviving because at one point in the in the duel she climbs into a cupboard and just basically whimpers in the corner waiting to die so it's not like she's yeah i mean i say that she does get a a sewing needle or knitting whatever it is um, and stab it in Michael's neck, so she kind of has that reactionary attack, and then she pokes him in the eye with a coat hanger. But nothing which is really gonna really put him down. Well, I, guess I, a, I guess a I mean, jab to the neck would put most people down, but
1: it's one of those things where, like, so the other the other girls um, they're all objectified as well. So as we were saying, apart from I didn't get to see them because Sky sucks, but we've seen everyone's boobs apart from Laurie's now. Um, you know, they've all they've all been pretty bloody useless at defending themselves as well. So, I guess they they kind of represent like this this idea of the fallen woman. You know, they're they're just shit at everything. Uh, <laughs> they can't even defend themselves. Whereas Laurie, she she's defending herself with kind of very typical female. You know, she's got a knitting needle, she runs into a wardrobe and stabbed him with a coat hanger, you know, and you know, all this kind of kind of looked a bit backstreet abortion-y, but um wow. she's, <laughs> she's you know, she's got she's got all of these weapons that are uh associated with womanhood, but they're also really feeble, and she doesn't really toughen up and butch up until she takes his weapon, which is his knife his
0: manhood if you will with masculinity
1: yes exactly she hits him where it hurts which is in the knife (laughs) (laughs) please written on it
0: yeah Yeah, you the instruments she uses weren't exactly the knitting needle it would be remiss to say that wouldn't cause some damage i'd imagine if i got one of those through the jug you know i'd probably die very quickly michael however survives and that's when we get the first idea that maybe this maybe Loomis isn't a raven lunatic he he's, he knows what he's talking about when he says yeah. this isn't a man this is an it there's nothing you know human about this this person he's getting yeah. he's getting a knitting needles to the neck the coat hanger to the eye would probably just be a temporary annoyance um, but to me it would take my eye out so yeah, she's 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 just surviving. She's not battling. She's not whipping out guns, or she's not going to get knives. She's not hitting him with chairs. She's just basically trying not to, or trying to prolong the the fact that she's going to get killed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but Loomis is hanging around. He's seen Michaels in the area, and he he's comes... Loomis thing. <laughs> Fuck sake, you, you don't Loomis a beat, do you? He's um he's there. Uh, he comes out and he shoots him basically. So he, he comes in and he just pumps Michael full of lead. He got he unloads on him. And then Michael falls over the balcony in a quite over the top fashion. May I quickly add? And then he disappears. Yeah. And Loomis kind of looks as if to say, "I knew this was going to happen. This is not a surprise." And Laurie's left basically just to cry in the corner because she's absolutely, you know, traumatized by what's happened.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna lie, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back though. Yeah, to a scene that I've just remembered that like I thought it was really scary. Honest. <laughs> <Go laughs> There's that bit where Laurie's, like, banging on people's doors, though, just before that, and, like, nobody answers the door Mm -hmm. and everyone turns the lights off. That's really, like, it's quite troubling, really, because they're supposed to be in this lovely, you know, like, idyllic community where everyone's helping one another, but then as soon as someone's in trouble and as soon as, you know, like, someone needs help, everyone doesn't want to open their door to trouble. But then they wonder why all the teenagers have been stabbed and killed and why they're all, like, promiscuous and...
0: and It's because an old woman turned the light off. You can actually see somebody in the window, can't you, kind of looking out and then... Yeah. So they actually look out the window and see that it's this panicked, frantic woman and still turns off the light.
1: Yeah. Like, it's quite... I don't know. I mean, it's a bit like... it's, It's sort of like showing that there's a culture that's kind of deprived of this like human concern for each other yeah. you know there's no um, helpfulness or anything it's completely against what the suburb represents and it's only until you know michael myers has really like made his presence known and started killing people that that happens because before that you can't get rid of people there's people everywhere True. everyone's trying to help you know it's just a bit i found that bit quite interesting
0: Okay, it also asks the question as well. If you were in that position, would you open your door to help them?
1: Yeah, because this is like in psychology we were taught that um if you if you shout help, no one will come to you because the idea is that if you're shouting help and someone, you know, opens their door or you're gonna become part of that trouble, mm-hmm. like whatever happens. Whereas if you shout fire people will come and help you because it could affect them. So like if you're in a... Yeah, and it's like, and they did, they did studies on it and stuff and it's like, that's how shit humans are. Like, <laughs> it's
0: if you true, shout it, it's help true.
1: or rape or something, no one's going to come. But if you shout fire, people will come and help you because they're scared that their stuff's
0: going to get burnt. We've, we've, so we now know obviously that Loomis was right. Laurie is just absolutely battered by her experience In terms of the ending itself, because it is quite, it's a fairly abrupt ending. Did did it satisfy you having seen what had come before, or did it kind of leave you wanting more?
1: Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's quite difficult for me because I by the time that I'd got around to watching Halloween, I already thought it was crap. It was only because of the, you know, the kind of like as, as a, you know, I'm scared. It's not really, it didn't scare me. It didn't shock Mm me. Um, I could appreciate it for what it was, but it, it, you know, it it doesn't make me want to turn all the lights on in my house and cower under the bed. Um, But as an ending, I think it, um, obviously, I think, ignoring the fact that it then became a franchise it could have mm. been left there it could have been left there but I suppose that's the beauty of it was that they probably didn't know that it was going to turn into a franchise because they really you know n- nobody wanted it made by the sounds of stuff it wasn't really going to be commercially successful so the fact that that ending then sets you up for however many films they've done now it's um, it's pretty good really <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. That they could have, they could have left it there, and it wouldn't have. I mean, it would have just been one of those kind of mystery films where it could have been like the the ultimate like what if type of film where mm. forty years later we're still talking about. Remember that film Halloween? I wonder what happened next, and I wonder what happened with Michael, and did he ever come back? But it was a guy called Mustafa Akkad who uh, financed the film, yeah. and he was the one who didn't really have any faith in it, and then suddenly when it made 70 million dollars worldwide he suddenly thought well fuck it let's make like 15 of these um yeah so he was fully behind it but quite like then because i don't always me i don't always need some sort of like a huge massive ending where or kind of a happy-go-lucky ending where it has you know michael's not there anymore and then it fades into a scene at like a dinner table and everyone's happy and you know we realise that everything's yeah. okay. I don't always need and that. And no song.
1: one's got PTSD, you know. Like exactly, everyone's yeah. fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like none of it happened. But even though they almost all just got their, you know, their hearts cut out. But uh, so I like the fact that it just kind of ended on that mystery. And yes, we did get the subsequent films, which I know we're probably going to quickly go into shortly. But I mean, as a film, then Halloween, we've discussed it. I know you chose the film, so I kind of know what you're saying. Is as a film, what are your overall impressions? And you know, would you give it a thumbs up to anyone who asked?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's um, I think it's one of those films where you can't. It's so cliche, but you you can't overlook it. Mm-hmm. Like you can't you can't um you can't really turn around and go, oh yeah, you know, Hall- Halloween's Halloween's like not a very good horror film because it it really is like it, t- it ticks every box that you would want a horror film to tick, but I think. And I think that's when, you know, like subsequent remakes of it, like Rob Zombie's reimagining of it, kind of refreshed it and perhaps made it a bit, bit more um, appropriate for for now. Because
0: mm-hmm.
1: obviously, when it when Halloween was made, I mean, when when was it? What was it? Seventy eight. Seventy eight. Yeah, it was released in seventy eight. I mean, a lot's changed since then, and clearly, this is a film that's trying to play on cultural fears and social fears and if i had time i'd try and argue that it was trying to say something about vietnam as well so it's
0: yeah.
1: it's it's bringing stuff into the suburb basically which had never been done before because it was always in a remote exotic location somewhere as a film in itself to watch yeah it's a bit of a slog but it's still perfectly enjoyable it's not unwatchable and it's not it's not entirely terrible so yeah, so it's it's a it's a midway for me. <laughs> I okay.
0: appreciate
1: it more than I enjoy to watch it.
0: That's fair enough as well. It's a, I like it. I think it's a good film. Yeah, it, I think it holds up well because it doesn't have those over the top gore scenes which can yeah. date very quickly. The score hasn't dated. I don't think the oh I mean, the, no, yeah, that's amazing. The look of it, it, you know, it's it it doesn't it doesn't. I mean, parts of it look dated in terms of what they're wearing and how and what how they talk, but who cares it's in the 70s it's, it's cool I I, feel, I thought it was good I like the fact like I say it builds more on the tension uh, and the atmosphere than all out hell it's got a few decent jumps scares in there's one where the, a gutter smashes through the window when Loomis is talking to the sheriff in the room where Michael slaughtered his sister that's quite a good little jump scare, but they didn't rely on them too much It can't, it was more just teasing who is this boogeyman who keeps appearing in these most inappropriate of places um, so I thought it was okay, yeah, is it the best horror film of all time? No, it's certainly not the I mean it's been it's a preserved film I think in the United States it's got historical meaning to it it's you know that can't ever be the original can never be you know d- deleted, deleted or deleted over how however they do it. It's a preserved movie, so it's a piece of American history. I think it's very good. I like it. I think we are going to see better films, but it did spawn a lot of conventions, a lot of cliches from that came from this film. And it also spawned 10 sequels. I think the 11th sequel was called Michael Myers is Alive and Well and Living in London. But that was (laughs) canned.
1: Brilliant. And eating cake in bed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Michael eats cake in bed and gets in hair.
1: Um, Michael Myers is alive and well and suffering from heartburn.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think Halloween 2 was okay. And then they just got progressively worse, I think. Yeah. I know you like the Rob Zombie reimagining, so...
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I really, really do. Because I think it, it gives you that... It gives you that kind of background that you're missing from the mm-hmm. from the first one. You know, like, what, what made this kid kill his sister? Like, what what is the problem here? <laughs> you know? And uh, the whole Laurie being his sister kind of explains that a bit more as well, because I don't think that's really explained.
0: No, um... Like it, the, the Rob Zombie films do get pooped on an awful lot, but they but they do give some exposition to what's going on, which does actually benefit the film, I think. Like you say, just giving a little bit more time into Michael's story, because I know a lot of people like just to have, like, the faceless killer with no backstory, because they find it a lot scarier to have this nobody come, you know, come in to slaughter everybody. But I thought the exposition worked well in those films. They were very much of this time, though yeah or of their time it's what ten ten odd years ago now is it really about ten probably about ten twelve years ago now Bloody hell. um yeah, I think it's two thousand and so I think well, I say like two thousand and seven and then two thousand and nine, so yeah, um eleven and nine years ago, there's some decent mass for you there guys. I guess it would be remiss not to say that in four months' time almost to the day we're getting a remake uh, we're not a remake we're getting a the sequel the the official sequel i guess to Halloween John Carpenter's back Billy Curtis is back even the bloke who played Michael Myers is back what do you think i know you've seen the trailer and i know you had opinions about it but are you looking forward to that remake
1: yeah like i am i am looking forward to it not like
0: like remake sorry sequel
1: it's it's one of those like i've seen a lot of hype about it on twitter where people are going oh it looks amazing it looks amazing like it looks alright and i'm just mm-hmm. going to I'm just gonna wait and see how how it pans out because at the moment, from what the has shown me, it I just I hope that they're gonna they're gonna bring something new to the table and they're not just gonna John Carpenter isn't just gonna rehash what he did, you know, in in the 70s because that it that does kind of look like it just looks like a more stylized Halloween whereas what I want is like Halloween 2.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's. There's paying homage and trying to make it feel like the original, and then there's just redoing the original, yeah. which is a fine line, I think, because you do want it to have that uh, familiarity, but you don't yeah. want it to be so familiar that it's just it, that it becomes a, re, a remake or a reboot. I've got I'm holding out just because it's Carpenter and yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis I, I has I basically been dragged into it. Um, and I say that because she was she came back for the some of the sequels probably for a bit of a paycheck maybe but she's she was, <laughs> yes yeah, oh good god she was disillusioned i wanted to drown myself on h two after that but she was <laughs> disillusioned with the franchise and you know i didn't want anything to do with it so the fact that the script or the story has brought her back in makes me think that you know maybe there's something there which is gonna is gonna make it interesting and not just a straight up reboot so you know, having Kevin Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis back gives me a bit of hope that they're not just in it for a quick and easy one.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, and I I trust John Carpenter anyway, and I've got no yeah. doubt that he's gonna um, have the you know have the same kind of forethought and vision that he had when he when he made it the first time around.
0: Yeah, I just I, I hope they keep it simple as well and don't go too over the top. I hope they keep it practical as well and don't throw in CGI or silliness like that. But this is the guy who wrote things like They Live and The Fog, so I've got I've got some hope in him, so. Yeah. No. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Um so Halloween on out of 10 on the bloggy chateau meter, how much did this scare you?
1: How much did it scare me? Oh, like a three? No, that's like that. Even that's too much. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for a one point five.
0: One point five out of ten. Every <laughs> show we do, we're gonna have the me. we're gonna have the bloggy shatter me. at every show. So how much did it scare Elizabeth, Lily, or Bloggy? They're all the same person. Yep. So one and a half out of ten for Halloween. Yeah, it didn't.
1: It didn't scare me. I'm sorry, guys.
0: No, but we both agree that it's still a decent film. It's a not the, movie,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: it may not be the scariest film of all time, which it does have its moments. I'm, like, as we've said, it does have its moments. Yeah,
1: it it didn't scare me, but it it did make me feel suitably uncomfortable. I'm trying to just because I've seen it so many times now, so I'm trying to remember like the first time I watched it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I felt I felt uncomfortable. I felt uh, I felt unease, and I think that's that's really what it was trying to do. I don't think it was ever trying to scare people.
0: I guess it's kind of and it's hard sometimes because lots of people see these kind of films when they're far too young to watch them so I guess mm-hmm. if you try to put yourself in the in your position when you were however old you were and your first impressions maybe that's probably a better barometer but I mean on subsequent viewings if a film is scary a film is scary I mean I've, there's that film again The Exorcist still scares the shit out of me I know I've seen it like f- five times a week but, but I still get sucked in and drawn into it and it's still just terrifies me so sometimes a film can just grab grab you by the short and curlies and hold on to you but halloween it had its moments but it it was not i think in subsequent episodes we're going to have films which are gonna you know yeah. terrify slightly more i'm going to see one on saturday which i hope really does um make me ooze from my anus
1: oh yeah yeah We'll
0: have to see <laughs> yeah well um there's going to be no picture evidence of that, but, um, so Halloween, is there anything else you know you've wanted to get off your chest, anything else you want to say about Halloween, or do you think you've covered it your parts
1: that yeah, no, I think i've I think I've kind of got it got it off my chest for now, I don't know if I've got it off my chest in a very articulate way, but
0: um, I've done my best, <laughs> I think you've done very well, but that is well, that's that for this first episode of Death by Pod. From us guys, I hope you've all enjoyed. I've had a blast doing it. Uh, I think Blog is wonderful, which is fantastic uh, and articulate. Believe it or not, you are with your Aww. with how you put it. And um, what I enjoy is that I feel like I'm talking to somebody who has no pretense. If I don't like it, I don't like it. Even though we're doing a, even though we're doing a pod about a film, it doesn't mean we're going to sit here and wax about it, saying it's the best thing ever, then go off air and say that was shit. So I, I appreciate that. Ah, cheers, dude That's alright, no problem. Well, as I said, thank you so much everybody for listening. This is only the first episode, we're going to do this every month, and if there are uh, flagship or major horror movie releases during the year, we may even throw in a couple of special episodes where we just discuss that film, and then obviously later on we'll go on and do our monthly show. So, um, thank you for coming on today, Lily Elizabeth Bloggy. Where can the world find you online?
1: You can find me, uh, Bloggy Balboa, on WordPress or Bloggy Balboa on Twitter, amazingly enough.
0: <laughs> I will I, never grow tired of the Bloggy Balboa pseudonym. It's oh. rocked my world. Um, <laughs> you can find me at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or galumphing around on Twitter and Instagram. You're listening to this show on iTunes or you might be listening to it on the website, Podknife, Tuner, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Anywhere you can listen to a podcast, we are on there so please do check out what we do because it's good. I like it if you like if you like this show or you like Halloween tell people you know you know share it there's nothing better than hearing good things about the show. If we haven't mentioned something you like let us know if you disagree with us let us know just do it nicely. But if you don't like anybody if you don't like what you've heard, just don't tell anybody so until next time it's a, it's a uh, it's a spooky goodbye from me and from Elizabeth. Bye. What a lady. See you later, guys.